0: I'm Denise, she's a non-fiction editor, and I'm Louise, she's a fiction editor, and together we're The Editing Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Editing Podcast. So this week, Denise and
1: I are going to be chatting about whether editors should specialise. Or whether we should be framing that question less in terms of what we do and more in terms of how we communicate.
0: Yeah, so the question is, is it better to be a specialist um, or generalist often arises in editing freelance circles and actually answering it isn't straightforward and maybe it's not even the right question, as Denise said. So I'm a specialist in that I work solely with independent fiction authors of crime, mystery um, and thrillers and suspense, but I only do sentence level work. I don't work for publishers, businesses, students, charities, project management companies, marketing comms
1: agencies or schools. And i work only with publishers independent authors businesses educational organizations and news agencies and my focus is on the humanities social sciences education and business and i work in commercial and academic non-fiction and i also only do sentence level work
0: so some people might argue that denise is less of a specialist than me because she has a much broader range of client groups But the thing is, it doesn't matter because when she promotes herself to clients, she frames herself as a specialist by bending the message so that it's
1: relevant to whoever she's talking to at the time. Exactly. All that matters is that potential clients who are searching for someone to solve their editorial problems can find any of us and recognise our ability to help them. So the question is less, should you specialise and more, what does the client want to know?
0: So imagine the following scenario. Gandalf is looking for someone to proofread an article he's submitting to the Journal of Ethical Wizardry. His paper compares 10 different countries' legal instruments for controlling spell making and spell casting. It's already been peer reviewed by some other eminent wizards and now he needs to get it checked to ensure that the grammar, spelling, punctuation and consistency are in order.
1: Now, the references also need checking to ensure that they comply with the Sorcerer's Blue Book, (laughs) which is the definitive international style guide for magical legal citation. Now, he searches an an online directory for proofreaders and takes a look at the first three profiles in the list. Who is he going to pick? So is he going to pick the proofreader who tells him they proofread anything? Or is he going to pick the proofreader who tells them that they have a politics degree and specialise in working with academics and publishers working in the social sciences with a particular focus on politics, philosophy and magic?
0: Or will he pick the proofreader and editor whose website tells him they're a former practising lawyer who now specialises in working with academics and publishers working in the social sciences with a particular focus on politics, philosophy and magic?
1: Let's assume that all three of the above proofreaders are experienced, well qualified and members of national industry recognised editorial associations. Now, if I were Gandalf, my first choice would be the third person in the list because they have specialist legal experience. Although I would also bookmark the entry for the second person as fallback.
0: That's what I do too. Mm. It doesn't matter that they offer two different types of editorial service or that um, several different subjects or that their client base is wide ranging. What matters is that they're more likely to spot a citation that isn't formatted in the style recommended by the the Sorcerer's Blue Book. And Gandalf knows this.
1: Exactly. When we market ourselves as generalists, we run the risk of saying nothing. And when we market ourselves as specialists even if those specialisms are many and cover a wide range of subjects and genres we can say a lot saying that you do everything or anything is problematic for several reasons Mm. first it's not believable specializing is about being believable and if you don't inspire trust in a potential client at the first point of contact you're unlikely to be hired by anyone with even a grain of an idea in their head about what their chosen proofreader or editor might look like.
0: Yeah, I think about it. Who can really proofread anything? I'm not comfortable tackling veterinary medicine, electrical engineering, or uh, cardiopulmonary medicine. Maybe (laughs) you are. But... um, How do you feel about tackling the third draft of a self-publisher's YA fiction, a thriller that needs a stylistic editor?
1: (laughs) No, thanks. (laughs) Honestly, I suspect that editorial professionals who can truly proofread or edit absolutely anything are few and far between. Yeah, yeah. But that aside, Mm. there's a potential SEO feel to being a generalist. Because specialising is about being discoverable and if you don't take the time to tell your potential clients what you specialise in, whether it's one subject or 20, your website will be less about search engine optimisation and more about search engine invisibility. (laughs) That's right. Mm -hmm.
0: And when the search engines crawl over your website looking for keywords by which to rank you, they won't find much that's relevant and they'll move on. Does that matter? After all, you pre anything. That's mm-hmm. fine if your clients are searching for someone who does anything, but in reality, many clients are much more specific, and they're mm-hmm. not that they're not like to be putting that in a search engine.
1: No, yeah, that's dead right. So let's think now about client disengagement. Specialising is about being interesting, and saying that you do anything is far less interesting than saying you do X, Y, and Z. So when we tell a client about our specialist areas, we're demonstrating competence, experience and knowledge. Imagine an editor
0: sends a letter to a scientific publisher. They're one of five proofreaders who that week have contacted the book production manager with a request to be added to the publisher's bank of proofreaders. In the cover letters, two of those colleagues have explained that they're specialists in academic proofreading. Two more have stated that they specialise in working with scientific academic material.
1: However, our example editor tells the production manager that they're a generalist and they'll proofread anything. Now, who do you think makes the deepest impression on the production manager? I suspect our editor is bottom of the pile in terms of client engagement because they haven't presented themselves in a way that shows that they're interested in what the press publishes.
0: And they haven't presented themselves in a way that, sh- that shows that they're interesting. Mm-hmm. Whether you work on one subject with one type of client on one type of file or on numerous subjects with several different client types and in multiple media, present your narrow focus or your breadth of service in a way that marks you as a specialist and shows that your shoes fit
1: And thinking like a specialist helps you to plan your client building strategy in a targeted manner and focus on your marketing efforts on the type of clients who are most likely to give you valuable first gigs that enable you to build your portfolio and gather testimonials.
0: Yeah. So, for example, if you have a degree in electrical engineering and you identify yourself as a specialist technical copy editor, you're more likely to be successful in securing your first paying job if you contact publishers with technical and engineering lists. Engineering students are more likely to be interested in asking you to check their master's uh, dissertations and doctoral theses. And engineering businesses are more likely to ask you to edit their their annual reports.
1: Exactly. Your specialist knowledge will count for a great deal, even though your editorial portfolio may be scant. Mm. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't expand your specialist areas or that you have to decline work that comes your way if it falls outside them, as long as you're comfortable with what you've been asked to do.
0: Yeah, and some of us choose to specialise in very narrow terms. Um, some of us. Uh, choose breadth one isn't better than the other rather it's a business decision if you prefer to offer a range of services to a range of clients over a range of media and you can do this in a way that makes your business profitable then breadth is better for you
1: yeah if on the other hand you prefer to focus on one or two services to one client type over one medium and you can do this in a way that makes your business profitable then a narrow focus is better for you Hmm. Effective marketing will be key to whichever path you choose. And if your preferred clients can't find you, it really doesn't matter much whether your client focus is narrow or broad. If you're not discoverable, you'll be unemployed either way. Yeah, so
0: exactly that. So when it comes to marketing communications, there's no such thing as a generalist. Rather, there are two types of specialists, the specialist specialist and the generalist specialist. (laughs) Either way, both are specialists and talk like specialists. Even if you are, for all intents and purposes, quite the generalist, that is, you edit and you proofread for a wide range of subjects, for a wide range of clients, market yourself as a specialist.
1: Yeah, I just about followed that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so specialists are standout, not standard, and in a market where you've com- you're competing globally and online with thousands of colleagues, being distinctive has never been more important. You can present yourself as a specialist in a variety of ways.
0: Yeah, so perhaps with relevant training and service type, for example, as a proofreader, um, uh, perhaps with related career experience, for example, you used to be a social worker. Or maybe you could use your educational qualifications in a pertinent subject. Perhaps you have a degree in public policy and administration.
1: Or maybe you have industry specific knowledge. Uh, You might be familiar with particular citation systems like um, a scholar for legal works um, with particular style guides, perhaps the Chicago Manual of Style or Newhart's Rules, particular markup language, for example, the BSI Symbols, I'm not reading out all those letters. <laughs> You're going to make me read that? <laughs> no. Okay. Or perhaps you could focus on genre and subjects, perhaps sciences or social sciences, or medicine or speculative fiction, or in terms of client type, for example, that might be students or businesses, publishers or independent authors or academics. Exactly. So
0: being a specialist is certainly about the choices you make as an editorial business owner in terms of the kind of work you do, but it's just as much about communicating with potential clients in a way that differentiates you and demonstrates enthusiasm, knowledge, skills and experience, even if you are a bit of a generalist.
1: Well said. So we hope you've enjoyed this episode. You can rate, review and subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts, Spotify or whichever platform you prefer
0: yeah thank you so much for listening to the editing podcast she's been denise
1: and she's been louise join us again soon bye bye